that I found a list of our old potential names for the podcast, just ones we were thinking up and, and writing down as we were brainstorming. And some of them were soccer stuff, spit and game, spit and soccer, tiki talka, talka, but LKA, <laughs> uh, wall pass, men in boxers, the global game, Yanks talking soccer, the beautiful game. We had some, we had some good ones mixed in there. I don't know. I think we landed on the right choice though. Tiki talka? With an L. <laughs> welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota, home to two relatively new podcast mics. Hopefully you can tell. This week's episode is brought to you by Tree Home, elevating your house's game by benefiting the environment. We're going to be talking soccer. We're going to be talking life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram at footyfellaspod on Instagram. That's F-O-O-T-Y, fellaspod on Instagram. Gents, it's May 24th, and after being back for about a week in Germany, around the globe, some soccer players' haircuts are getting pretty out of control. Feels like it's just entirely new people we're seeing out there. You guys seen N'Golo Kante with, with, with hair? No. Does he have hair right now? It threw me off. He does. You got to look up a picture. N'Golo Kante's got hair. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot of photos of the Liverpool team. The Liverpool team... Uh, Neymar's hair might be a bit different. I'm trying to think players that are normally bald and mm. now have a bit of hair. It looks so different. Ashley Young. Okay. Ashley Young has hair. And it looks absolutely Young. ridiculous. I didn't think he could grow hair anymore. Right? It's like, it's like Michael Jordan. It's like if Michael Jordan had grown hair, you would say, what were you doing for the past 20 years were you just not trying did you not (laughs) yeah did we not diss you enough did we not say oh you couldn't grow hair would that have changed his whole mentality would he have grown hair and dropped 60 on us was that what would have happened that was all he needed if you if you told him he couldn't grow hair he would have grown hair and then dropped 70 on you for every hair follicle that he grew (laughs) okay michael jordan just grew 2000 on us that was improbable but hey you dissed his follicles so Wow, yeah, Ashley Long, Ashley Young, looking good with the hair. It's a lot, a lot of hair. Have you, either of you thought of totally changing up your your hairstyle now? Yeah, we absolutely. We've been inside for a while. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking of doing the whole shave head, potentially bleach thing, just for fun, for giggles, because I know I'm not going to see anyone for even still up to this point, probably eight weeks, twelve weeks. Dudes, shave your head and then bleach your head, or. No, maybe not the order of operations, but a couple of pops <laughs> got it, got it, that got were it, got uh, <laughs> on the table. One, one or the other. Probably bleach, then shave. How different would that be? You're pretty blonde. Dude, I was thinking of going like, you know, remember when Messi and Aguero got into the silver yes. or gold hair? Yeah, that yes. that's what I was thinking. I was a big I fan of that kind of wave of hairstyle. It's interesting... Uh, the the ebbs and flows of hairstyles in um, professional soccer. I feel like when I was younger, I remember, if you guys remember the name, uh, Jabril Cisse, 
who was the forward mm-hmm. for Liverpool, and he used to like dye his hair. He was on Newcastle at some point, right? Yep. He had a stint there. We could be totally wrong. We could also be playing this game where we like encourage each other and then we're just yeah, at Newcastle and then he went to Stoke, Stoke. back to West Ham West Ham and then he ended he ended his career at on on Leicester that Leicester team that that won the whole thing that yeah was a real 30 C-say. goals leading the league you wouldn't wow. believe it he was wow. he should have been world player of the year he was my world player of the year yeah. isn't he now in the MLS on the Minnesota Loons team yeah the Loons yeah, yeah. wow Led by a... Jabril. I, I like that point though I think hairstyles in soccer do they either lead the charge for hairstyles in the rest of the world because it's such a global game and what's going on and they're actually at the forefront of the next follicle revolution? Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of a, you know, yep. something that felt rolled off the tongue better, but <laughs> yeah, keep going. the next hair revolution, yep. HH. Yep. But uh, I, like, I think people do see their favorite superstars and then try it out. And sometimes they go more and more extreme. And so maybe it, you know, the culture follows more of the middle, middle of the hairstyle game. But it does feel in a way that that the soccer hairstyles potentially are at the beginning of each new generation of hairstyles. The follicle fad is what we'll call it. The follicle fad. Yeah. And no, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, look, I, I will like my one, my one piece that makes me agree with this is that it, you know, soccer is a world sport, and so naturally, it is more likely you're going to have the fashion meccas of the world, your Milan's or Paris are going to be more influenced in the soccer realm than they would by basketball or football or, yeah. or baseball. So that's, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Just going to make the same point. I think, I think it, maybe we don't see it too much in the United States with hairstyles being directly influenced by soccer, but yeah, outside of the U S I'm sure it's, you know, you see your, you see what Ronaldo's doing. I mean, I'm looking at just some pictures here now and, you know, the Pogba um, kind of the, you know, the whole tips, the frosted tip, um, even just like the gold streak that he used to rock. That was big. That was cool. Players are doing that now. You know, Ronaldo would make those designs in the side of his head uh, in the shave spots. Yeah, definitely a trend, trend setting sport. Did either of you have one specific brand of cleat that you wore growing up your whole life? Were you an Adidas person or a Nike person or something? Puma or something? Those are the Addy Pure Baby. Addy Pures were fire, bro. Yeah. Absolutely. Middle school. I was school. an Addy Pure boy. That was my, I, I think I remember um, seventh or eighth grade. They, I will never forget. They are my favorite pair of cleats I had were, were Addy Pure. They were white and they had like blue lines in them. Mm-hmm. Seventh or eighth grade, they were, they, unbelievable. Unbelievable cleats. They were wide yeah. enough. I remember I, had, I, needed, I needed a wide fit. Yeah, they were, I loved them a lot. And actually not until I got, I think I had graduated high school at this point and I was getting, getting new cleats and a remarkable thing. The guy was like, yeah, I like to get a half size smaller than what I usually wear so that, you know, my, the foot and the cleat are more or less the same and I have, you know, better touch and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Let me try it. Miserable for the first game or two that I played in them. Cause they were pretty small, but they stretched out, felt my, you know, shaped around my foot. And now I always do it when I buy cleats. So it's huge. That's the piece of advice. You always get the opposite. That dude is like one in a million. Everyone else will tell you like, do not get shoes too small. That'll ruin your, like, you know, you'll get blisters. You'll be bleeding. Like, right. it, you know, if you're obviously, if you're in a position where you can get new shoes, like make sure you get new shoes that are big enough because otherwise you're so uncomfortable and you can just, you're always on your feet walking around. But that's interesting. It works in the the, the soccer sense. Right. Yeah. It was great advice. I've always used it since. 
if I had to go now, nowadays, I'm probably leaning towards, ah, it's either Nike Tiempo or, I don't know, I can't even name what the Audi ones are. My original question, we were talking hairstyles, does that lead, obviously cleats, just like shoes in many sports, especially basketball, when shoes, with Jordan, we were, you know, been watching Last Dance, that's when basketball shoes became such a big cultural piece of everyone's life, but with soccer cleats, similar kind of thing. Did you wear the Addy Pures because a certain player wore them or they just fit, they look cool, you wore them once and that was your go-to? Yeah, that was more so my my approach to the cleat. Um, it, I was just, you know, looking for cleats in the store, probably just influenced by the salesman and they fit well, felt nice. And I, I'm, 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 of the, uh, I'm of the camp of... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if I buy something and it's comfortable, it's nice. I'll I'm gonna be a loyal brand supporter, and I'm gonna just keep buying the same shoe. <laughs> I remember there was the um, the the Predators <clears throat> or whatever whatever Beckham was wearing at the time, or you know, uh, Messi had some of the Nemesis or, or what those are called, and um, and Ronaldo had his like you know, you'd had to associate the mercurial vapors with like, with, with Ronaldo to an extent. I think, I think the vapors were the only ones, the Nike ones that, that I bought, but they really didn't work for me. They were too thin. That, that wasn't for my foot. Um, so personally, no, I didn't, I did it with Icy. I didn't really like follow any, any players. It, it was what fit and worked for me. What happened to last week today? Yeah. Hit, it, hit us with some recent storylines. All right, last week today, we'll keep it quick, keep it brief. All right, as everyone knows, second weekend of Bundesliga soccer. Uh, not too, you know, I have to say, I have to say I haven't, I have not yet watched a live game yet. I know, crazy. And it, uh, I, I put it on myself. I have to say Bundesliga is not really driving me to the TV right now. But another story, uh, Leverkusen beat Gladbach 3-1. to one. They move into fourth place in the table. I feel like that was the biggest move. Uh, in these past, at least in this past week of gameplay. We've got the Premier League set to return June 26th. So I think that's kind of nice. I don't know if we had had a date uh, up until recently. So that's kind of nice to have at least uh, a tentative date to look forward to. Looks like a month from now. Yeah. So that'd be definitely something obviously to be excited for. La Liga has signaled starting June 12th. Um, but that's just the league saying that they want to do that. I don't think anything has been confirmed. Uh, and then MLS is in negotiations with the MLS Players Association uh, surrounding salary cuts. And they proposed, the MLS proposed a 10% cut in salaries for the, for the rest of the, you know, salaries till the end of the season, uh, ju- you know, just for the end of the season uh, to potentially save an estimated $20 million. Um, so those are the quick, quick uh, headlines. I have to say uh, that last bit about MLS wanting to cut salaries. It always, I don't know. It always feels a little. Something just doesn't feel right when the sports players are asked to take um, to take a, a cut, and the owners of these clubs. Now I'm just assuming here are likely billionaires. Um, so it always doesn't sit right with me when it has to come to that. What do you guys think? I, I I feel like I don't know nearly enough about the financial 
ins and outs to understand like, you know, who is really losing more than the other in that scenario. I, I would assume that the, um, the owners are <clears throat> by, by like foregoing TV deals, foregoing all of the other kind of sponsorship opportunities that they like are losing their bottom line is definitely being hurt probably more than the individual player to an extent. But, but I do agree like, um, perspective to their situation, their, totally. their individual situation. It might not hit the owners as hard. Totally. Like, like who is actually going to be hurt more by this? Like, you know, one of these two people can afford to buy a team. The other like plays on it. So, you know, if yeah. one, if they're both losing 15%, like that, that's probably, you know, nothing compared to the other. But I would assume if you own a team right now, you're losing like 85%. I would, I would imagine like at least or around that. You know, it depends really how much you're making off merch or season tickets or TV deals, all that good stuff. But yeah, right. Um, I mean, you know, you look at it and, you know, the guys, the people who buy teams, in my opinion, any sports team, you know, they, they made their money very wealthy um, or it was inherited money. But, you know, I would I would assume that they're more savvy than putting all their eggs in one basket. So, you know, they have more investments than just the team. And so... I, I just would imagine that their financial well-being doesn't solely rest on the, the sports team investment itself. And so that's why it always sits a little funny with me where, you know, they, they kind of make it seem like, oh, man, all this money we're losing. It's probably one of your tons of handful of investments you have in other things. I don't know. Not a, not a big fan of the of the super wealthy kind of playing that card. Yeah, that's fair. We'll see how it plays out across leagues and all these leagues are getting pushed back. You know, they've gotten pushed back months basically. So even if they squeeze in the end of the season, it'll end later than usual. And we'll see how that impacts both the summer. And if they adjust, even what that looks like the summer games, preseason next season, see how we see what impact this has longer term aside from immediate deals and money and, and all that stuff. Yeah. With that, we're going to head to our first ad read, thank our sponsors who we always appreciate and afterward get into our main topic for the week, which was provided by one of our FOFs, friends of footy fellas. Be right back. At tree home, our mission is to plant a tree inside <laughs> everyone's home, a real tree, a big tree, a real big tree. It's not just planting a tree, it's raising a new member of the family. Growing up, maybe you dreamed of one day building a treehouse. Now, you can just turn your home into a treehouse. Environmentally, you're making a big difference. Aesthetically, you'll have this very cool-looking tree in your home you can just show off to people. Space-wise, we won't get into logistics here, but it might require you to cut out a chunk of your ceiling and roof. You can even integrate your tree home with your smart home and turn our beginner tree into a smart tree by installing some seemingly unrealistic tech, that's how futuristic it is. You can then choose to give off more oxygen with a simple turn of a button. We really believe that planting one of our trees can change your life and the, the dynamic of your home drastically. Instead of making a tree house, become the tree house with Tree Home. Sounds perfect for apartment and condo living. I, it sounded here's here's what it sounded like to me. It's it sounded like you like this 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 product. You just you plant a tree and then you you cut some holes in your house and hopefully the tree grows 
grows into it. And when it does, you get this technology that doesn't even have a name. It, it was called what futuristic like, like it was, it was, it wasn't even, doesn't have a proper patent. You were just, it, it just says, it just I just want to, yeah, I just want to correct something you said earlier. Okay. So you don't actually <laughs> plant the tree in your home. That's okay. where you sound like an idiot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tree. Yeah. Tree. <laughs> Tell me where I where I'm off. <laughs> tree home plants the tree in your home. <laughs> tree, tree. So are you buying the product or is it the, the people? It's a, it's a company, Max. You're paying for a company that's paying us to advertise for them. You're paying the company to come and plant the tree inside your house. So you can turn your treehouse into a gosh darn treehouse, your home into a treehouse. <laughs> turn your home into a treehouse. I'm not. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. You're telling you're saying so it's not a treehouse. I'm a tree house. <laughs> Basically, you used to have a house, which was kind of dumb to begin with. Then you plant this tree, a real big tree, right? And now your house is a tree house, and it looks cool. It gives off oxygen, which is good for the environment. Yeah. And yeah, you maybe need to cut a hole or two to sacrifice for those two sweet offerings I just mentioned. Yeah, Jonesy, it's a it's a service, right? So it's like um, landscaping, but inside the house. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, winter winter gets it. Yeah, but there's a tech component. Am I not missing? Oh yeah, the I'm o- unreasonable right now. <laughs> Jones, How you're being absolutely moronic right now. It's simple. You there's plug the nest into your tree that yeah. grows. Yeah. Wait, there's Tur- an outlet in my tree? Dude, you don't get it, dude. How are you not getting <laughs> this? You, it's 2020. There's no outlet in the tree. It's just connected. <laughs> Turn it's the dial and more oxygen comes out. I've seen Avatar, okay? I get the future. <laughs> and you have not told me to plug my hair tail into the tree root <laughs> so I can get the unobtainium. None of this is connecting for me, but I'm buying it. How much? How much for 15% in your company? Yeah, I should probably mention at this point that I am a part owner in Tree Home. That's why I feel so passionate about it. And that's why I paid most of my own money to advertise on our podcast. I don't even know if that's legal, so I'll, I'll cut that part out. Post. <laughs> we're going to jump into our main topic for today, which is pretty exciting. And we're going to be chatting through a hypothetical where this was a hypothetical proposed by one of our FOFs, as I mentioned, Derek Grammer, who took part in our Friday challenge by submitting a photo of uh, Sun Yuchu on Leicester as Lord Farquhar when we were talking about the best superhero and soccer player crossover. So pure class there. Good good call. None of us had thought of that. That won you the right to decide our topic, which is the hypothetical, we've been hired by a low-level or mid-level squad. Do we, as managers, focus on building a tactic around players or do we completely revamp the squad to build attack to build around a tactic we want to play? So are we building around the current players and working with them to build the tactic? Or are we instituting our own tactic and have to obtain new players to make that work? What do you guys think? Being keeping it as real as possible, you're hired by a low level, mid-level squad. What do you think? A couple questions just to set us off before we start going. And I know there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts that we need to, that, that, that really determine your answers here. But I think it's fair for us all to agree on some, some, some objective truths about our team. Are we inheriting, so let's talk about this right now, are we inheriting a team mid-season or beginning of the season? Beginning of this, uh, even bef- summer. Pre, summer. Pre-summer, nice. you, could make, you could make changes. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. That but is team, it's good to know. 
the the past season ended at that level or something somewhere around that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. I think that makes a big difference for me. Um, and then it and it depends with the league. We're talking Premier League. Is our some assuming? Or sure. just any could be anything. Could be any league. You'd have to assume whatever the whatever league you're in, you have an amount of money relative to other squads that is a low to medium amount of money. Where you could pull in good talent, you know, obviously you have more money from the Premier League most likely than if you're in the Championship or League One or League Two. But either way, the type of players and money you have relative to the other teams in the table is pretty low. <clears throat> my knee jerk, my knee jerk reaction is going. What? What? I'm not trying to win the league. If I'm a mid to lower level team, my logic is how do I stay in the league? And I feel like you need an organized unit, and that doesn't mean um, you know necessarily organized attacking. It's probably I'm, I'm focused on defensive mindset. I need to not be conceding goals if I want to at least maintain some relevancy in the league and, and stay in the mix. Um, so I feel like my knee jerk, I don't know about you guys, my knee jerk without going too in depth is that I would want to, um, I would want to, oh God, it comes down to money too. But I feel like I'd, I'd need to make sure that the tactics match up. It's kind of a blend. Like I need to make sure my tactics match. And if I have the bodies that match it, great. And if I don't, then I need to change some of those, the bodies to, to match. So I, I'd probably lean if there's a if there's a if there's a pendulum between the two shifter scale. I'm leaning more towards tactics than I am players. I don't know how you guys are feeling about that. Yeah, I'm actually leaning a bit to the opposite, uh, mostly because if I'm coming in as a manager to the team, I want to set a pretty good kind of positive energy precedent of look, you guys are all good players. I mean, we're at this level. And instead of just saying, you know, clearing everything, kind of making, you know, I'm assuming that the players and the team have some, um, you know, they're comfortable with the, the system, the administration of the, of the club. And I want to keep comfort in the team. I don't want to just throw everyone out to bring a whole bunch of new people in. And it's, you know, yeah, you have to deal with, um, you know, the social aspect as well of bringing in new players. So I would keep a lot of players. I think I think the big question I ask myself coming in as the manager is, you know, is is our team struggling because we're just not clicking tactically, or is there a bad work rate mentality on the team? Um, if it's work rate by a couple key key players, or you know, key positions that could definitely change um, attitudes on the team, you know, I might might get rid of them and get some get some workhorses i think of marco Verratti on psg i just love particularly his work rate out there and golo mm-hmm. Conte always running you know i'm a big big uh big guy with work rate um i think it's i think it's it motivates others on the team to to work harder and then um yeah i would um uh, yeah so I would, I would keep the team and i would kind of work the tactic around the team that i'm coming into I think I lean more heavily towards Jones' strategy of building the tactics. Maybe even not just lean in between you both. I probably even am more towards the edge of the the slider scale on building around tactics and just finding the players that'll make that work. It does matter if you're in the Premier League. It matters what the expectations are of the board, the club, 
what kind of leash you have as a manager. But if I was pulled in as a manager and it was me personally right now with my current mindset and I probably wouldn't, you wouldn't want to go anywhere where you thought, okay, I could be fired this year if it doesn't go well. Obviously relegation changes things. If you're in an entirely different league, both money-wise and just what you've brought and the job you've done. But I think ultimately I'd, I'd want to expect to be there at least two years and hopefully at least three, therefore giving me a bit more time to mess around with the tactics. And I, I care so much about playing a possession style game just because that was really like drilled into me when I was playing. And in high school, I thought we did a good job of that. And that was kind of introduced to the program right as I started. So it kind of felt like a big deal. And if it was a team that just hoofed it forward and, you know, ran back and forth, I think that would frustrate me so much as a manager. Also, just because personally, that's, I feel like that's the best way to win if you can dominate the game, but it matters what players you have. And so you could bring in players that hopefully using analytics or something like that, you could find that are underrated and could actually play that style of game possession oriented and also work hard. You know, you want to find the right character of players that might be cheaper, but Agreed with you, I see that the work rate is just such a big piece of it. The toughest part we'd have to overcome is if I brought in 10 new players who I felt like fit the right style and the right tactic, how do they mesh together? How do they blend together? And that's something that for sure a lot of teams face, you know, every year that want to overhaul their squads and, and bring in a whole new set of guys. When I think about <clears throat> teams that, that, uh, that make a jump or, or, or are what we would deem maybe successful, again, in, in the Premier League, but in like that lower to mid-level, um, or stick around. Like, like I feel like there's two thresholds. There's teams that last in like the middle third of the table um, and are there for a little while and might peak into the top seven every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Everton's of the world, right? Um, or you have teams that are just like fighting every year, relegation, and then like probably fall every once in a while. Um, like Man U, or... right? Like a Man United, like a team that's like barely surviving. But um, <laughs> you you have you you just like when you look at those coaches and what they kind of input. Um, you know, it's a it's a very defensive minded um, st- strategy. Tony, Tony Pulis, for for example, or, or or Roy Hodgson. Any of you like you know your your um, there are coaches that are brought in to do that to do that yes that's their game and they recognize the the owners of the club sack i'm going to bring this guy in you know he's not an incredible coach but he's very good at keeping teams up and making the best of what we have and just playing that style of game to match that and that's what it kind of sounds like like that's the question here if you were to uh replicate roy hodgson uh uh how quickly can you age yourself to be 75 like like how how old can you can you make yourself sound i think it was funny to hear you eli say like you know, if I were to, you know, build a team, it'd have to be off my high school experience. It's just like if Jose Mourinho were sitting at the Man United, you know, press conference, you're welcome. You're like, what's your, what's your philosophy going to be like? Well, junior year in, in high school, school. <laughs> in Portugal, <laughs> we were really possession based and we had this junior winger who was really good. And I, I just think we're going to, we're going to follow that kind of, it's, it's funny just how different, different our philosophies would like, you would have to be to, to even begin that kind of conversation yeah yeah and i would if, if i was actually managing i'd love for analytics to play a role that's like something we've chatted about obviously and i'm into numbers and all those kind of insights but like if it showed if it clearly showed we're not going to win by doing this with these guys or these x guys that we could potentially get on the transfer market then i guess you have to work with the players you got yeah i think you you brought up a good point 
a, while, a little bit ago in your, <clears throat> or you had mentioned, you know, that you want to kind of play possession style. And, and my approach of keeping most of the team, not doing uh, a total re revamp of the entire squad. You know, if I came in, obviously, obviously I think managers want to run a team that plays beautiful soccer. It just looks good for the team. It looks good for the manager. Everyone's happy. But, you know, if my team turned out to be more of an Atletico Madrid defensive kind of park the bus, maybe score a goal, you win a lot of one zeros. Um, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed. I would kind of kind of just, um, you know, head down, push into it. You know, I I'd, I'd just work with the team. If, if we have a very defensive minded team that, that wants to play that way. Great. I think, um, you know, in that case, you need really good counter counterattacking abilities. Um, you need some fast wingers, fast striker. I think, you know, a Traore, just a massive guy. Now, that he works well because you've got Jimenez um, and Jota. They've got a good a good trio in, in midfielders. But, you know, it, pretty much what I'm saying is that if, if it had to be defensive, not my ideal, but I would definitely go for it. What works for the team is going to work and be more successful throughout the season is my philosophy on it. Here's what it is. I think... There are only a couple of coaches in the world, obviously not any of us if we were brought on as managers. There are a couple of coaches in the world who do both of these things at the same time. And that's why they're some of the best coaches in the world, like the Klopp Guardiola, where they have a tactic they want to play. They have players they want to go out and get, and they happen to have a lot of money. So they've gotten a lot of the players. It'd be different if they were coaching one of the lower level sides. But even if they were coaching one of those teams, lower mid-level teams, they could still play a game they could still play their game, but adjust it for each of the teams they play against because they're that smart tactically. And I think that good of, you know, game managers and planners, there are very few coaches that can do that. But I think a lot of the other coaches, you were joking about like, what if Mourinho was like, oh, we played like that in high school. But I think there's something to that. Maybe not high school, maybe it's college, maybe it's the levels after where they coach in their initial teams. But like, whatever philosophies they learned both as a player and then coaching when they were a younger coach, like from those older coaches, that's the style of play they want to employ. Like that is what, you know, not everyone wants to play a beautiful game. Like you alluded to, I see like some play, some coaches are like Simeone or maybe he does, but he, you know, this is the team he has at Madrid, but some coaches do just want to play defensive and that's their approach either because that's who they were as a player or that's who they were coached under. I think. And that's what they bring and, and want to do. So maybe it does. It factors yeah. in. I don't know if it's high school, but it's like some <laughs> lower level of their life. Yeah, you wonder also if there's any analytics behind it. You know, I, Simeone runs a, a program that's it's just so defensive. And I really dislike watching it as a fan, but it, it works. I mean, they're they're high in the league, uh, on the league table. They do well in Champions League. Unfortunately, this year they beat Liverpool. But, you know, it. There's got to be some analytics also supporting that style of play. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely is. And, and you'd assume if you're taking over. So like the, the big thing that, that I think we need to kind of acknowledge here, again, reiterate, is, is we would be talking about a club that is mid to lower table. So if you are a Klopp or a Guardiola, you're not coming in and, and instituting your philosophy because you're not being hired by that club. They can't afford you. They're bringing in the guy who's able to steady the ship and keep it going forward. And, and that's where I get hung up on this concept of like, okay, cool. Like 
it would be great to have a team that is quote unquote as effective as Wolves currently. Or you could point at a Southampton of a couple of years ago or Swansea, right? But those all of all three of those clubs are clubs that generated their momentum in the championship and then drove it into the Premier League. Leicester is unique in that they they did go on to win the title and, and that was after a year of almost like I would say it's an outlier. And there's probably some similarities we can dig out of that too. Uh, with with the right players and the right positions and the right manager, like all of that stuff, for sure. But end of the day, if you're picking up a mid to lower level team, your job is to keep it afloat, not to necessarily you know win anything. And that's where I feel like uh, it, it, the it's incumbent on you to decide: Are you going to be conservative, or are you going to try to change and dramatically improve the team and drive it again forward? And again, no experience in the realm whatsoever, but I'm sure the, the second you start telling me the financial implications of this, you're telling me you take over and, hey, if we stay in the Premier League, we are X hundred millions of dollars over in, in, the, in, in black versus red. Okay. And my signing, my, my bonuses are, you know, it's a difference of 20 mil. Yeah. I'm going to just try to keep the team afloat, guys. I'm going to be conservative with our money, invested in the right things, the right strategies, and build tactics that are going to get us there and not make it a beautiful entity. And that's where you have these teams when they do rise up. You know, you could argue they're more successful because they in the championship maybe have a little more wiggle room. And like Wolves can build a team of Portuguese players and a system that really works for them and, and, and that grows it into a nice team that flourishes and is successful. You know, or Southampton that just had the depth that it did, or Swansea, which had a nice possessive style. Like you have these teams that rise up into it. But I mean, in a year or two, I wonder what Wolves is gonna look like. You know, do they have the steam? Is Leicester gonna have the steam that they do? Are is it really sustainable or is it like a short term growth thing? Yeah, you know what there. But to to wrap this up, one by one quickly, zero to ten scale, that hypothetical, zero being you build around the tactic. 10 being you build around the players quickly. We're going to go each. So I see zero around the tactic, 10 around the players. Where do you think you fall? Yeah. Eight, mostly around the players, but I'll, I'll I'm willing to get one or two new, new players to come in. I'm going to go, I'm going to probably go three. I'm going to go three. The tactics need to work, but the tactics also need to work with the players I have. So it's going to be player based, but I, I need to bring in some new people. I'm probably going two or three. So pretty heavily tactic, but a very interesting conversation. Obviously, a lot more to discuss there. Thank you, Grammar. Going to head into our last segment, our critically acclaimed over-under. Jones is going to take us through what we're deciding today, if it's over, underrated, or just rated. Welcome to over-under, fellas. Uh, in lieu of the warm season that we are approaching and our lack of beach access, I thought it would be best to talk about beaches. Why not? Um, our over-under today is beach activities. Um, Eli, I'm looking you dead in the eyes, so I think you're ready, judging by the pupil dilation. And the Can- amount of beach balls I have at my feet. Yes, you're juggling many. It's very impressive. Um, Eli, can you confirm whether building a sandcastle is over or underrated? Building a sandcastle is underrated. That makes me sad because I haven't built a sandcastle in probably 10 to 15 years. But I wonder how many future architects once built a grand sandcastle. I'll leave it at that. Okay, Mies, Mies van der Rohe over here. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Burnham. Um, Icy, uh, can you confirm whether digging uh, a hole to water on the beach is over or underrated? Digging a hole to water. 
Um, that is, uh, it's, it's a blast. You know, that's underrated. It's fun. You're an engineer. You get to pretend you're an engineer. Um, but it's fun to see. It's fun to do. Fun to see. It's easy to do. Great activity. Love it. Um, Elijah, can you confirm whether or not ripping a cold one is over or underrated on the beach? Ripping a we went from kids activities to <laughs> ripping a cold one, which I guess kids could do if you're referring to a cold sand pail, pale ale, uh, <laughs> sand pale ale. <laughs> All right, I'm at like five seconds left. Ripping a cold one, it's probably rated because at least personally, I always feel a bit awkward if it's a crowded beach just chugging, but it's obviously very satisfying in the heat. Love it, icy. You're going deep in the water. I toss you the ball, and you're making a diving catch into the water is that over or underrated oh man that is arguably one of my favorite activities to do at the beach you know that is underrated the joy of laying out and knowing that you're really most likely not going to hurt yourself falling in the water it's wonderful i love it underrated eli yeah you brought a sandwich and you're moving sand from your food can you confirm if that's over or underrated (laughs) (laughs) that's super underrated no, that's overrated. Just don't bring a sandwich. I'm not. I'm not going to judge taking sand out of the sandwich. Then you're just eating a witch. Don't bring a sandwich to the beach. That's overrated. Oh, interesting. I didn't think about that. You're <laughs> taking the sand out of the witch. Um. Uh. Good answer. Winter. Uh. Tiptoeing on the hot, hot sand. Is that over or underrated? Oh God. Um. Rated? I don't think anyone enjoys it. Everyone expects it. It's brutal. It's not, it does not add to the beach experience in a positive way. Uh, it's rated. Thank you. Eli, you applied a ton of sunscreen, but look, the sunburn's inevitable. Is that over or underrated? That's overrated because you should be using SPF 80 minimum. <laughs> and if you still get burnt, that's your fault. Okay. So it's a you problem, not the sun. Yeah. So that issue is overrated because it shouldn't happen to you if you properly lather. Got it. Uh, I see end of the day, you found a nice little seashell that's going to go right on your mantelpiece. Is that an over or underrated experience? Oh, that's underrated. Great find. You're going to add it to your collection at home. You do it every weekend. It's a beautiful looking shell. Talk about it later with friends. Underrated. Yeah, it's great. Mm. You guys have me excited for beach season. I appreciate your answers here today and, uh, look forward to catching some waves with you brothers as soon as I can. I see. How come you haven't sent us any pictures of nice beach shells? It just sounded like you send those to all your friends. Oh yeah. My bad guys. You, I just didn't know if you'd like the shells or not. They, they float your boat. You guys like shells, seashells. I got a big collection. I could go for, I could go for some right now. That feels like a nice escape almost. I don't know. Listen, you ever put them to your ear and just hear, hear the, uh, Indian pale ale, sorry, the sand pale ale whispering in your ear yep i hear it all the time and same with crest hill cheese oh that when that logo rings in my ear from the seashell it's a good day that's beautiful with that we are going to end this then this week's pod really appreciate you tuning in and making it this far if you have we will be back next week with more great content obviously follow us on social follow us on instagram and Goodbye for now. I love you. Ta-ta.
tree home. Our mission is to plant a tree inside every. Feels <laughs> 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 so like a real addery, like someone paid us. With <laughs> that's, that's what we're tree trying. Home. Tree homes are for your tree. <laughs>